the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I do a show that's dedicated to retirement issues for you. Getting you to retirement. What's on your financial mind is always my question. How can I help you get to retirement? Let's take a look at what the economy is doing, the stock market's doing today. It's a big day. Someone has to say they're sorry. Dow's down 47. The NASDAQ down 9. The S&P 500 down 5. Oil's trading around 83 to $84 a barrel. 10-year treasury ticks at 1.6%. Gold up 8 bucks to 16.22. Don't be a gold bug and don't buy gold coins. The market's been resilient recently. Stock market showing some surprisingly strong resilience. Gains yesterday occurred despite some worrisome news out of the Europe. Uh, today we got that slightly lower open. We have a man named Jamie Dimon, head of J.P. Morgan Chase. In a prepared statement, the former prince of Wall Street says J.P. Morgan is its own toughest critic, adding that he finds the entire situation embarrassing. He has to sit in front of the Senate Banking Committee today, and the Senate Banking Committee is going to go out there and say things like, how could you do this? We bailed you out. And he'll say, well, it's investor money and not depositor money. It has nothing to do with bailout. It's going to get kind of contentious. There's a shameless genius to Diamond's statement. The guy said he's sorry and he vowed to do better, only a but would keep berating him after he's humbled himself in such a manner. So when I'm saying a but, I'm talking like a congressman. He's got a semi-apology in a very uh, humbling way. The bank still has a fortress balance sheet and will be profitable this quarter. J.P. Morgan lends to small businesses, hires Americans, and will soon be offering a consumer-friendly reloadable card. So says Diamond. How can this guy, one of the head of Wall Streets, do a credit card pitch while he's also apologizing? Is that genius or insanity? I think it's genius. He said, we have a lot of people down and we're sorry for it. There's actual numbers and systemic risks to be addressed in the J.P. Morgan mess. How large are the underlying trades? How leveraged is their book? How big are the losses? How will the trade be unwound? Are there actual counterparties with the size to be on the other side of J.P. Morgan trade, J.P. Morgan's trades? So J.P. Morgan's going to go in front of Congress today, and it's not going to be a good, loving experience. It's going to be humbling. 
elsewhere. U.S. retail sales fell two tenths of a percent. That was about in line with expectations. April was revised from negative two tenths of a percent to up one tenth of a percent. Two straight months of declining retail sales, not what recoveries are supposed to be about. So our economy, is it recovered or are we struggling? If you exclude auto May sales, we're down four tenths of a percent after a three tenths of a percent in April. That's not a temporary fluctuation in auto sales. We also got a little producer price inflation up two tenths of a percent with sharply lower energy costs overall. Second quarter earnings results are going to start coming out in about three weeks. Estimates have been coming down in the consensus for an aggregate S&P 500 company, now about 4%. So companies are kind of saying, hey, whoa, 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 let's slow this down a little bit. You know, 4% earnings growth, it's not inspiring, but it's not bad. The concern is going to be right now whether growth will continue in the second half of the year or not. Second quarter real GDP estimates, they're also coming down towards about 1%. It's not inspiring. And that one, you could say, it ain't good. Our economy starts to stall potentially right around 1%. Stall? Am I implying recession? Maybe I am. So Dell, stock to watch today, computer maker, announced plans to pay its first ever dividend, 2.7%. Not bad. But on one hand, it tells you things are changing. What used to be a growth company is now a growth and income company. And they pay the income during the down years and say, wait, wait for the good years. It'll come again. It's the only way you can spin that story. Prudential Financial, they're going to buy up to about a billion dollars of their own stock over a one-year period. The board still has $250,000, no, 250000 no, million, $250 million in authorizations remaining from a $1.5 billion buyback program announced in 2011. Scott's miracle Grow. I've put it on parts of my body. Don't go all dirty on me. I'm talking the top of my head, trying to get some hair growth. They're cutting their fiscal 2012 earnings forecast because of lower-than-expected sales and what they refer to as an unfavorable product mix. 3D Systems Company, I've recently talked a lot about, and a company that I talked about two years ago, and it's up awesome. Global payments in the news today. Recent security breach may be more widespread than initially thought. Company thinks computers which stored personal information about various merchants may have been breached. Change your passwords every three months, people. Is that too much to ask for? <laughs> I love passwords like one, two, three, four. I don't know. Something funny about that. Johnson & Johnson in the news today. They got regulatory approval for a $19 billion acquisition of Swiss medical device maker Synthes. Expect that deal to close tomorrow. U.S. Airways in the news today. They're planning to file paperwork for a possible merger with American Airlines. U.S. Airways is said to feel that getting regulatory approval in advance would remove a key element of uncertainty. Elsewhere, solar panel makers like First Solar, they're going to be in the news today. China SunTech raised prices for solar panels in the United States. That comes after some punitive tariffs were imposed last month on imports from China. Got more stories on solar for you today, though, too. Yahoo 
and CNBC, they've done a content sharing partnership. You're going to see a lot more CNBC stories and videos that will be featured on Yahoo Finance. The two will also co-create original videos. LinkedIn in the news day, they're going to provide an additional layer of online security following a data breach. The online business networks uh, had their passwords stolen for a lot of people. Yay! Wall Street Journal reports the Justice Department looking into whether cable companies are acting improperly to impede competition from online video. The journal says NBC Universal Parent, Comcast, and Time Warner are amongst the companies that have been questioned. We've got a seminar coming up in Dublin, California. It's 10 days from now, roughly. It's a Saturday. We're going to teach Money 101, all things financial, to the people. The ideal people for this would be 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings who are saving for retirement but kind of are freaked out by the whole process of money, retirement, investing, 401ks, insurance. And then the afternoon in Dublin at the Holiday Inn, I'm going to be teaching a little bit about wealth preservation retirement planning. Really, that's a chat of it, but you get the idea. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. You can find me at Twitter, at Rob Black Show, YouTube channel, at Rob Black Show, and online at robblack.com. Take a break here. I'll be right back. AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Some of the headlines that we're dealing with, business headlines in particular. Uh, retail sales declined for a second straight month for the month of May. I know you're saying, but I thought last month you said they were higher. They were, but they were revised lower. So one, two straight months subdued wage gains. You're also seeing a drop in the price of gasoline being played in here. These are not good numbers. They're not bad. But they're not as strong as they were in the first quarter. Industrial output is down in the Eurozone and the broader European Union across the board this morning. Again, telling us that they too are slowing for a second time. Are we going to stall into a recession or not? Yesterday's big winner, A123, down 11 plus percent today, giving back some of its 52 percent gain from yesterday. Talking yesterday about a breakthrough in their cells that are tied towards batteries and electricity. Another headline out there, Nucor, big steel makers trimming their second quarter earnings outlook. They're naming troubles in Europe and tough competition from imported steel as the culprits. Celgene is buying back up to $2.5 billion in their own shares of the company. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers to see what we got going this morning, or in some cases, not going. We got the Dow down 45, the NASDAQ down 11, and the S&P 500 down 6. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is a financial planner with New Focus Financial. Coming in today to talk a little bit about long-term care insurance. Let's start with what is long-term care? Well, long-term care insurance, and, and for the record, I don't sell long-term care insurance. Okay, that's I, good. You know, fee-based financial planning, but I'm a huge believer in it. I started in this business at a pretty young age with my grandfather who had a lot of older clients. Right. And about two years into the business, it seemed like the phone was ringing almost every week. I'd get a call from a husband or a wife saying, they've gone into a nursing home, they've got Alzheimer's, uh, you know, how am I going to pay for this? It's back then was even three or $4,000 a month. Now you're approaching five or six. In the Bay Area, you can see nursing home costs as high as 10 for a month for skilled right. nursing facility. Which, do the math, that's $100,000 a year. Yeah, 120. So the average person, once they go into a nursing home, first of all, once you hit about 70, there's about a 60% chance you're going in. Okay. And the average stay is three years. So that includes the people that go in for 10 years with dementia, 
and just you know and, and that's the that's the killer of the portfolio yeah and then there's those that go in for six months and have a stroke and die or or you know whatever it's it's the average stay in america is about three years and medicare doesn't cover it if you if you go through the right steps and you end up in a hospital for three days and within 30 days, there's all these rules to get any kind of a a short-term coverage from Medicare. So long term, it's up to you. You either, you're either going to, you got a couple of options. You can either pay for yourself. That means you've saved more than enough for retirement. So the person that that's able to self-insure is those people that are 65 and they're able to live off of, you know, maybe two to 3% of their portfolio. And that's more than enough, right? They can probably self-insure. There's middle America, which they're retiring and they're having to live off of 4 or 5% of their portfolio at 65. They need the long-term care insurance the most. And then there's those that haven't saved enough. They're going to go on Medicare or Medicaid rather. And it's called Medi-Cal in California, which means to get that coverage, not only it's typically not the kind of care you'd really want for yourself or your parents, but you've got to spend down to 2000 bucks, And only a certain amount of your home is now protected as an asset as well. So – the the biggest thing about long-term care insurance is it actually helps you stay out of a nursing home. When, if you have an event, you have you lose the five activities of daily living. Let's right. say it's dressing or eating or continence, whatever. They'll pay for somebody to come to your house and take care of you. It helps you stay in your home. Right. And tell me a nursing home that you've like that you've been in, and you oh great food, great people. This is where I want to be in retirement. No, I'd rather have a wheelchair ramp built at my house so I can stay there. And right? the, the parent that you put in that old folks' home, they're not happy, and they're, they're, they're bitter, and they're pissed about it. So it's a lose-lose scenario. So long-term care, just so people know, my grandmother, she had Alzheimer's disease for five years, and it was horrific watching mm-hmm. her die. Uh, did you know, like, if you don't get out of bed, like, your foot, your bones become so frail, they just collapse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your arms start to curl up towards your heart because that's just age. Like, you just sit in there waiting to die. Bed sores and everything else. It's ugh. My mother has had a couple strokes, and she's been in um, long-term care three times in the last five years. So it, this is a real issue. For me, I don't know because I'm, I'm going to live forever, Chad. You know, it's that's the, that's the, the problem. people that need it. You know, if you've got fam- you go. more family history of people just having a massive cholesterol issues and they have a heart attack and die, right? Versus, if I get a client and they have both parents went in with dementia or Alzheimer's, right? Um, even the wealthy ones that can do the the one to two percent of income and and be completely fine. Yeah. What happens is is they get to that point in time and somebody else, like a kid, is making the decision for them on care, right? And the kid's worried about their inheritance. They're thinking, ah, oh, dad's got Alzheimer's. He doesn't even know where he's at. I'm going to put him in this house where he's sharing a room with somebody else so I can inherit more money. So even wealthy people might want to look at long-term care insurance to take the financial piece of the health care decision yeah. out of the mix. It's really an estate planning piece as well. And you can write that type of instruction into your trusts. So, With, that, with that said, do poor people need to buy long-term care? Um, you know, it... You know what I mean. Poor people can't afford it. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things where you're where you're looking at costs of two hundred and fifty dollars a month and up. If you buy the stuff, it's you know early. Okay. It's more if you buy it later in life. Four to five thousand a month. Oh yeah, if you're seventy five or eighty. Okay. I mean, it gets to the point. You know, you've got to get it purchased typically by sixty five, sixty six. So in the get to, you don't need you don't need long term carriages. Poor people don't need it because the poor they people can't afford are it. too old. You can't afford it. It's it's your your risk is too high. You haven't paid in the pool long enough. 
And don't think that it might, you know, most of the time when you're going to buy long-term care insurance, um, the agents say, well, rates aren't likely to go up. But really they are because okay. an insurance company, the only way they can raise rates is if they can go to the state and say, look, we've had higher than expected claims. We need to raise the rates. And the state will let them do that. So that could happen as well. Talking to retirement issues and more with certified financial planner Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And another big story of the day is Dell. They've initiated their quarterly dividend. They're the third largest personal computer maker. They're going to pay a dividend for the first time following peers like Apple and Microsoft and returning more cash to shareholders. It's not a bad little dividend yield of 2.7%, especially when you look at what you're getting elsewhere as far as uh, the 10-year treasury. Not good. Do we have belief that Dell will be in business for 5, 10, 15 years? Sure. Do we have belief the United States government can continue to pay our debts on time? Sure. That's the basic idea of why and how um, you invest in companies that will pay you dividends and or invest in bonds that will pay you income. Michael Dell has been acquiring makers of data storage, some networking equipment gear, some business software, trying to diversify his business. This is kind of – I'm not going to say it's a coming of age. It's not a – a John Hughes, pretty in pink kind of uh, effort. It's nice to see, but it also tells you that there's some slowing in tech. It tells you this once used to be a growth company that valued their cash so much that they wouldn't give it, any of it away. Don't forget you can follow me online at Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, robblack.com. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Got a seminar coming up, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. Oh, boy, am I busy. Uh, And that's going to be in Dublin, California. Following weeks, I will be traveling. So it's a big summer of travel and big summer of business for me. Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. Call Rob Black now, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. I'd love to get some of your feedback on what you want me to talk about on this show. Today, Jamie Dimon, he's got a testimony before the Senate Banking Committee at basically going on right about now. A lot of people are keeping an eyeball on Europe still, and that makes absolute sense. Retail sales came in at negative two-tenths of a percent. Sales excluding autos were not great. Auto has been helping the U.S. economy this year, but I'm not going to say they're losing. They're taking the foot off the pedal. I'm not going to say that. Uh, trucks and cars sold at a 13.7 million annual rate in May. That's the weakest this year and down from April's 14.4 million pace. I guess it's something that we have to keep an eye on. It's a big part of our economy. Um, expensive cities to live in. I found this story yesterday. It's a little surprising. 
but you got to take it with a grain of salt because they apply to expatriates and not the overall population. But if you take a look at the most expensive cities in the world to live in, number uh, one on the list, Tokyo, Japan. Number two, Luanda, Angola. Three, Osaka, Japan. Four, Moscow, Russia. Five, Geneva, Switzerland. Nowhere on the list is a U.S. company, a U.S. city. I find that intriguing. Gabon, I don't know where Gabon is, but it's out there. Libreville, Gabon, number 20 on the list. There's a couple Australian cities, both Perth, as well as Melbourne, as well as Sydney. Sydney's one of those cities that's kind of bogus. It's really not, it's a lot of communities put together. I like Sydney enormously. When I went to Australia and traveled, uh, something I could throw out at you, it's a lot like the United States, but 30 years ago, it's a very odd feeling to be in Australia. So let's talk a little bit about growing your savings. One of the best things that you could do is to make it a routine. Open a savings account. Build an emergency fund. You have to do that because emergencies happen. You got to prepare for major foundation purchases in your life. Get that emergency saving going. Then you got to start watching your spending. You know, those little daily purchases that you make, the rock stars or a pack of cigarettes. Do people buy a pack of cigarettes anymore? Those little purchases that you make add up. And for instance, how many massages do you do a year? Those add up. You would be surprised. Two massages a year, easily 10% of your needed savings for retirement. So you got to realize how much you spend. Next thing you got to do is you got to establish a habit to pay yourself. 5%, 10%, 15% of every paycheck goes into, first and foremost, your your emergency fund, but then it goes into your retirement fund, and then you can start saying things like, I want to save for a car, a boat, a boat, a house. So the easiest way to get savings is to become very, very routine. You with me? You need to avoid excessive withdrawals at the cash machine. Anytime I go to Vegas or Tahoe, I like to gamble a little bit, not heavily. I like playing single deck blackjack because I'm a winner. And uh, you know, you hit the ATM before you go. At that point in time, you leave your wallet in your room. Make sure they don't hit the ATM ever, never, ever again. Uh, but, you know, Transactions add up. How many withdrawals are you allowed to have each month? How many fees do you get after the number of withdrawals? A lot of people don't realize that like, their bank says you get 10 ATM machine hits a month and that's it. Six, and then you start hitting fees. So you don't want to pay fees. You got to watch how much you're pulling out. Don't pull out too much. If I have $100 in my pocket, I'm more likely to spend it than to save it. It was in savings. Now it's in my pocket. 
So I haven't gone to the bank and deposited extra money in my pocket anytime recently. Maybe as a kid I did, but it's been a long time. Watch your balance. A higher minimum balance is important sometimes. You've got to be careful that you don't cross lines and start paying fees. Fees stink. That's just basically you giving your money away. Don't do it. See if there's any breaking headlines that I got to throw out at you. Dell's having its best day this year. On news, it announced its first ever dividend. They're up 4.3%. Jamie Dimon, the CIO unit, he's saying that the CIO unit had done so well for so long, there was some complacency. He's saying that it's likely that there will be some claw backs. He says he doesn't think compensation played a part in the trading losses. He says clawbacks are likely once that board review is done. He says that we try to be a very conservative company. No matter how good, you never want to get complacent with risk. So he's getting grilled. I'll give you any headline updates that we've got to throw out there. There's a story in the Wall Street Journal, which is a great read. I don't know if you have the ability to pry yourself away from OK Magazine. But if you do, the Wall Street Journal is a great read. Justice Department today is conducting a wide-ranging antitrust investigation to whether cable companies have acted improperly to squash video online. Justice Department officials have spoken to several video providers, including Netflix and Hulu. Investigators have also questioned Comcast and Time Warner. Cable companies provide both television channels and high-speed Internet access for many consumers in the United States with broadband Internet, consumers can watch individual programs or channels through online video services like Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon. I'm not having any problems watching online video. Are you? Some cable companies have invested billions of dollars building their networks. Some pay TV companies have shown little inclination to get out of the business of packaging television channels and becoming more conduits for other companies' data. So the Justice Department is going to you know, highlight a little bit of this industry and how the shifts in decade-old patterns of television viewing are shaking the tightly regulated industry. It's funny how regulated our lives are. Sometimes we don't even know it. The television shows that you're watching, the Today Show, believe it or not, it's got some regulation pretty tightly wound around it. Nike's launching a new fuel band. I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? Is Nike a shoe company? Or are they a food company? Or are they a technology company? On a lot of levels, I think Nike is a technology company. This is an incredibly boring story, but it's also a story that will make you an incredible a lot amounts of money. <laughs> I know you're saying, good grammar, Rob. Are you from the Ozarks? I am. Not. So... If apples were to float in air, people would look back at Isaac Newton and say, hey, physicist, I thought you said they fell. And stock market observers have basically seen some flying fruit. And a lot of people don't know what to make of it. There's something called a sharp ratio. S-H-A-R-P-E, sharp ratio. 
And investors can find stocks with potential for higher than average returns or greater than average safety, but not both. So says the thinking. Now, some stock pickers like Warren Buffett have bought incredibly boring companies, and he's done incredibly well at creating wealth and beating the markets. Low-risk stocks in the last 41 years have outperformed high-risk stocks. If risk truly predicts returns, the higher the risk, the higher the return. That's not true. So some incredibly boring stocks with low betas, low sharp ratios. For those of you, again, I'm trying to teach you something here. Low-risk stocks have beaten high-risk stocks for 41 years, over 41 years. Boring companies like Wisconsin Energy, boring companies like Medtronic, IBM, Marsh and McLennan, the Bank of the Ozarks. Investors shouldn't rely too heavily on mathematical risk. The high finance way to reduce risk in a portfolio is to select investments with low correlations to each other. In the world of mathematics, that is represented by the letter N. A lot of stocks zig and zag, and as an investor, small investor, sometimes you end up on the wrong side of that zigging and zagging. Right now on Wall Street, for instance, there's a ridiculous statement. I know you said, did you just make a board statement? It's kind of like, yeah, there's a ridiculous saying or statement. Buy the dips, sell the rips. So don't shy away from low beta stocks. Don't shy away from safety. There's nothing wrong with you buying Wisconsin Energy or PG&E Energy this month and making love, sweet love to your partner and remembering the man that used to be and trying to beat your fastest mile. There is no shame in that. In fact, you've won on Wall Street over the years. High risk does not equal high returns. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at robblack.com. Tweet me at Rob Black Show. AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. On AM 1220, KDOW. I'm sorry. That's what Jamie Dimon is saying. Is that going to be enough? He's been one of those executives who is a little bit on the mean side, a little bit on the in-your-face side. He doesn't like Congress. He doesn't like people telling him how to do business. He's been a prince of Wall Street for a very, very long time. He's on Capitol Hill right now, a prince or a diamond on the hill. What do you want to talk about? The Dow's up 11, the NASDAQ up 6, the S&P 500 up 1. The euro trading at fresh highs, the dollar trading at fresh lows. It's talking about foreign exchange, and it's telling you a little bit about what money thinks is stronger, the U.S. or Europe. 
It's not saying it in the immediate short term. That's not the way you need to look at that. It's saying that over time. Philip Morris International extends to new highs. As a kid, I thought smoking was a filthy, dirty habit because my dad did it. Oftentimes, as a child, you become one or the other, and I didn't want anything to do with my dad on many levels. I'm stunned that people still smoke today. My dad passed away from cancer, died much too early, leaving children behind and a wife and a lot of unfinished business, to be quite honest. And yet Philip Morris International continues to hit new highs. I love Philip Morris International because it killed my father. No, you killed my father. Prepare to die. I love it because it has a 3.7% dividend yield. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because they're initiating an $18 billion buyback. I wish they'd give more cash to people, but buyback's fine in my book. It's, I just think the dividend's better. It's like men. I know we objectify women sometimes. Some of us like a good smile. Some of us like a woman with a sense of humor. I personally like the dividend. Eh. And buyback's good. I like big buybacks. I cannot lie. I can't do that. I like big buybacks. No. See, I can't find my rapping voice. I must say I like big buybacks. So Philip Morris, I don't have a problem with them. Do you? I'd prefer Philip Morris International versus what's that puffy little company name that sells cigarettes in the United States? Altria. So Altria is Philip Morris Domestic. Philip Morris International is Philip Morris International, right? Uh, there's a lot of dumb people in third world countries. There's a lot of dumb people in developing countries. Just Again, when I say dumb, I'm meaning exactly what I'm saying. They're just not educated. So there's some people that don't believe in Western medicine and they don't believe that cigarettes are going to kill you. They're dumb, right? And that's why I will invest in a product that kills people. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Me kids you not. So uh, let's take a quick, 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 quick. I've hit this whole JP Morgan thing a little bit too hard, a little bit too much. Uh, but the reason I've hit J.P. Morgan so hard this morning is because if the big banks decide to deleverage and start breaking themselves up, the banking sector would be catch on fire. There's so much value in banking stocks right now. I drool. I know you're saying, dude, do you really drool? I do. I find finance and money sexy as all hell. I really do. And I find saving money for retirement unbelievably sexy. I'm not cheap or I'm not frugal. I'm practical. I can describe myself that way. But uh, the banks at some point in time in the next 10 years are going to create an enormous amount of shareholder wealth. Right now, they're giving a big discount for being large. In a healthier environment, that's going to work really well for them. And if not, if they start to deregulate or decouple themselves... Keep in mind that J.P. Morgan Chase is like 20 old banks that all merge together. If they ever start to deleverage, I'm in. I will put my money in that pot so fast. You know, in Berkeley today, they're voting on whether or not 
you're allowed to sit or lay down on the sidewalk. It's funny because you could literally smoke marijuana in Berkeley and no one's going to look twice at you. But you can't sit down or lay down in Berkeley. What's happening to America? We're decriminalizing certain things and we're criminalizing things that weren't criminalizable in the past. I know you're saying you're just making stuff up at this point in time, aren't you? Pretty much so. So Europe stock markets have drifted downward today. Monthly retail sales underwhelmed. Prior months revised down. Producer prices have proved mixed today relative to expectations. Producer prices and inflation expectations. There's been uh, weekly oil inventory numbers, which just showed a draw of 191,000 barrels when a draw of 1.5 million barrels had been broadly expected. Prices are still holding up, even though inventories showed that we are not consuming a lot of oil right now. Natural gas prices are up from morning lows, but still in negative territory. Precious metals remain in positive territory. Gold prices are at 16.21 an ounce. Silver prices have drifted down to about $29 an ounce. I'm always stunned by people who want to own silver. I mean, literally, you're just moronic. In large part, and when I say you're moronic, I'm, yeah, I'm calling you stupid. If you need a metal that's tied towards the economy, go with copper or palladium. If you need a metal to protect against inflation, go with gold. Can you make money in silver? Sure. It's just choosing the wrong tool to get the job done. I'm a man's man. When I chop down trees, I use the right tool. When I build things, I use the right tool. When I paint things, I use the right brush. And you're saying, I didn't know you're a man's man. That's right. Probably, uh, I wear blue jeans. I'm very, very, very manly. I do manly things. AM 1220, KNUW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. What's on your financial mind is the, st- the phrase that I like to throw out there. And it's true. Whether you're a young person in your 20s, moving to your 30s, or you're 30 and you haven't saved enough money for retirement, the show's for you. The show is for you. It's designed to get you to retirement. I know a lot of old folks listen to the show. And you know I don't like old folks, but we got some bad news for old folks yesterday. There's now talk about moving retirement ages to 70 years old. I hate that. A big think tank out of France said we should move retirement ages to 70 years old because you old people are basically consuming too much of our assets, our tax bases, living off, sponging off society. I can't really say that I disagree with that basic concept that People need to retire later. They need to work longer so as not to go on government welfare. I don't like saying it out loud, but it's true. Did you know that only 3% of the human genome, our human DNA, has a known purpose? That's pretty stunning. One thing that I'm going to miss when I'm dead is technology. What are you going to miss? I can't clearly say, other than technology. I don't really like companionship all that much. I do and I don't. I'm a little bit of a lone wolf. You know, certainly in the past had female she-wolves. 
but I'm definitely a lone wolf. I'm definitely, I, I marched to my own beat. You with me against me? Because you have to pick a side. Let's talk about some of the top business stories of the day. Europe's stock markets are drifting downward. Monthly retail sales underwhelming. Prior month numbers revised down. Producer prices prove mixed, ultimately relative to expectations. There's not a lot of inflation out there, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. I know you're saying, Rob, pick a side. Is it good or bad? Okay, okay, okay. I like a little bit of inflation. And we're not really getting that right now. I like inflation because, well, no, no. I like our system. It kind of takes care of itself. When there's too much inflation, we curb. So stocks are erasing losses. Banks are starting to rally, i.e. telling me that Jamie Dimon's doing something good today. I love this man. He is the meanest, nastiest SOB that I could imagine. And I love him because of that. The head of Zynga, a guy named Pincus, he once gave shares to his employees and he took them back. <laughs> we refer to that as a Richard, where I'm coming from. Um... That's not cool. But Jamie Dimon in his prepared speech basically says, I'm sorry. Oh, and by the way, we've got a new credit card coming out. He actually throws out a pitch for the company's credit card while he's testifying on Capitol Hill. If you, don't, if you can't find love for this man, there's something wrong with you. Senators are preparing to hear his testimony. It's, it's going on right now. One Senator, Jeff Merkley, Oregon Democrat, he's pushing for stronger restrictions on banks. Portfolio hedging is just a name for saying anything goes and will continue that, so says Merkley. Merkley was one of the people who co-wrote the Volcker provision in the Dodd-Frank Act along with Senator Carl Levin. He said the draft rule released by regulators in 2011 had loopholes that would allow banks to maintain much of their proprietary trading operations. So Diamond didn't really address changes made earlier to the company's measurement known as value at risk, VAR, that underestimated potentials for losses. He says he feels terrible. But it's shareholder money, so honestly, it's none of your damn business. It's not depositor money. He shouldn't be at Capitol Hill right now. His apology is helping investors. It's not like you went through – excuse me. Holy mackerel. I think I just found uh, an oil spill. So it's, it's not really like you go through a stop sign and you get a slap on the wrist. So... It's, it'll have to be every quarter for the next couple of years. He has to handle risk better. These guys are monopolies. You know, are, will, will Congress you know, scold him or will they ask for an autograph? He's one of the richest people in the world. He's not a fool. So stocks are racing some losses. They're getting some gains this morning. J.P. Morgan's rallying 2%, almost 3%. Halliburton's up this morning. Dell increased its dividend. They're moving higher this morning. Earlier losses this morning was tied towards retail sales. But as the morning goes on, we want the banks to lead the U.S. I know you're saying, don't get crazy on me, Rob. I'm not going to get crazy on you. But we need a healthy banking system that lends money 
Otherwise, we struggle bad. And the more restrictions we put on the banks, the less they're going to lend. Now, again, I'm just being honest with you. You think you have a God-given right to get money for a house? You don't. You think you have a God-given right to have financing for your car? You don't. And when Congress regulates banks, they, they, stop you from lend, they stop banks from lending to cars. People who don't deserve cars don't get cars. Or maybe, maybe the rule goes like you get a car if you make 250000 not 220000 You get a car if you make 120000 but not 100000 Burger King. They want to lure customers this summer with a barbecue party and a bacon sundae. Speaking of wanting to vomit, let's do the Burger King story. Fudge, soft ice cream, caramel, bacon crumbles, and a piece of bacon sundae. Only 510 calories. Only 25% of your daily needs. 18 grams of fat and 61 grams of sugar. It's limited time, so get it now. This is a big expansion that Burger King's going through, trying to win back moms and families. Because for years, they were just going after kids. So they're going to have a Memphis pulled pork barbecue sandwich, a Carolina barbecue Whopper, a Texas barbecue Whopper, sweet potato fries, and frozen lemonade. But did I mention a bacon sundae? Like, what makes bacon better? More bacon. Not only do you get bacon bits, but you get a piece of bacon on your sundae. I do like bacon, but not that much. Housing prices in Palo Alto are coming down fast. Inventory is going up large. Why? The Facebook IPO. As it didn't rock higher and higher and higher, people are now saying, okay, that's about as much wealth that's going to be created. You can buy my two-bedroom bungalow for a million-plus dollars. We better sell now. So inventories, prices in the first quarter of this year were up 11%. Inventory down 57%. No one wanted to sell, but once the IPO came out, inventories are up 44%. Teaching how the world works. Pay attention, young lad or young lassie. If I were a cowboy, is it wrong to have a young lassie on my lap and then I teach them financial stories? Back on the range when I was a young man. Oh... So this is the big stories of the day. I think I've hit everyone that I've had to hit. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it's the latest call for the bell. The Dow's down 15, the S&P 500 down fractions, and the NASDAQ's up four. You're listening to AM 1220 on KDO Radio. I'm Rob Black. Couple things for you to note: Jamie Diamond, J.P. Morgan, is on Capitol Hill this morning. He's saying that he was dead wrong; that he failed to oversee his own bank's risks. Since he took the job in 2005, though, you have to give him some credit. Citigroup down 94 percent, Morgan Stanley down 70 percent, Bank of America down 83 percent. Some companies like Lehman Brothers completely gone, Bear Stearns gone. J.P. Morgan, down 
that's not bad considering the financials have been uh, ripped through. Pretty good, pretty entertaining a basketball game last night, even though I didn't watch it. I heard good things. The Dow's down seven, the NASDAQ's down up five, the NASDAQ up five, and the SP 500 down fractions. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online, newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk a little asset allocation. It is two words put together that we know in the investment community. Some of us know it better, some of it more intimately. What's asset allocation mean to you, Chad? Well, first of all, let's, let's, let's talk about what it doesn't mean because I think it's a term that's really misunderstood. Okay. Um, a lot of people that start investing think asset allocation means that it's always being in the right asset class all the time and shifting from one asset class to another, which is really the same thing as, as day trading. Now, you want to do a little bit of that once you've accumulated a portfolio, overweight and underweight in different areas, including cash, which is an asset class. But really what asset allocation means is you're trying to build a portfolio to achieve a certain goal with the least amount of risk possible, knowing that you're going to be wrong sometimes, so you still continue to hold on to certain asset classes, um, like small cap, like emerging markets, which will have you know kind of a three steps forward, two steps back type of a process. And do you look at some people would look at asset allocation, stocks, bonds, and real estate? Do you look at small caps and international, like you just brought up? Do you look at that as a sub asset class, or is it a totally different asset? It's it's a it's an asset class. Okay. So I think that there's times like during the big part of the credit crisis, we steered clear of small caps altogether, for example, uh, because of the risk factors that were involved. But we didn't like doing that for too long, so we still own a, a piece of small cap, which started off 2012, for example, the first month with with big gains, for example. You you just want to maintain a certain exposure to these asset classes, and, and there's more than this stocks, bonds, and real estate. Within stocks, you've got the large cap, mid cap, small cap, but you also have different management styles between value and growth or even just dividend growth investing. You also have uh, commodities that have to be a part of your portfolio as well, and there's a whole slew of alternative investments that people should be getting, you know, taking a look at and becoming educated on within the alternative asset class space. There's managed futures, which is another way to get into currency and commodities. Okay. There is funds that deal with merger and acquisitions. There's funds that deal with what's called kind of the buy right area, which is really covered calls. So it's a way to get into the market with creating income on, on, on different stocks. And there are types of portfolios where if you're trying to find a spot where I don't want to be in cash, but I don't like where bonds are. I don't stocks maybe feel a little overvalued. You might look get into funds which hedge with the downside. There's funds out there that mirror the S and P 500. They sell covered calls to create some extra income, and they use that income to buy protective puts, which means you have upside exposure, but it's limited. Right. And in trade off, you have limited downside risk as well. All of those are different pieces that go into asset allocation. The, the idea is that. Every year in the market, you have something that's doing good. So if if you're trying to compare your portfolio, just the S&P 500, and the S&P 500 has a roaring year because of tech and financials, for right. example, you're going to underperform a little bit in the good years. But you're going to outperform a lot in the bad years. That's what asset allocation is really about. Seven out of ten years are positive. Three out of ten is negative. It's a three out of ten makes a big difference. That's the math behind asset allocation. Before we get into that, um, comic books, asset asset or not? Um, is, as far as collectibles? Yeah. That's yeah, kind of where I'm I mean, getting at. It, it can be. There. I'm sure there's been some successful comic book collectors out there. Okay. And um, how about art? Do you look at art as an asset class for the wealthy, for the poor? Should people be buying it? Should they not? Yeah, for the wealthy because typically, you know, there's there are obviously some people that 
happened to purchase a painting 30 years ago that they didn't realize was going to be drastically um, but you got to be good at picking yeah. paintings. It's and not art, like being good at picking stocks and picking mutual funds. You got to be good at that that unique skill as well. Right, and art, art went through a pretty big bubble. It just like any asset class, it goes through bubble times. So it's correcting at this point in time. But typically, it's kind of one of those things where, in order to be good at accumulating the art that's going to make you money in the long term, you've already got to have a lot of money. I'm with you. So, and uh, the idea on that is they're not making. You know, if, if it's a dead artist, Leonardo is not making more art, so to speak. Uh, I could drop that conversation because I'm going nowhere with that. But let's talk about the math of asset allocations. What do we need to know? Well, it's really creating consistent returns because you, the first thing you have to look at is is the game of math. It's the downside that makes a big difference. So if you drop 50%, you have to hit how much to break even? 100%. Right. I know that, so, but most people don't. So that's that's the thing. It's You, know, you have to focus on, on the 10-year average return. Don't don't really look at the one and three year average return. It doesn't make as much difference. It's the ten year average return. So if you're trying to compare, let's say you're trying to go for a large cap growth manager, you make sure that the manager's been there for the entire term of the track record, ten plus years. You look at the standard deviation. So if you're comparing two funds, you would want the one with the best ten year average return, the lowest standard deviation, and the most consistency, uh, and maybe even the lowest beta if you're trying to get to funds that are are less less volatile as you get close to retirement. So standard deviation, beta, and the consistency of returns is, helps you, you know, understand the math behind asset allocation. Asset allocation and much, much more. You can find CFP Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com or find his website, chadburton.com. Studies show that women need up to an hour of extra sleep a night compared to men because women are much more susceptible to depression. Am I getting myself in trouble? Trying not to. I don't know if you're you're fond of paying attention to Jamie Dimon and what he's saying on Congress and Capitol Hill. He's sitting before the Senate Banking Committee discussing with lawmakers his bank's $2 billion trading loss. He began his testimony with a press release where he basically peppered them and talked about, I'm incredibly sorry, and there's, oh, this great credit card that we're going to be introducing later this year. I love that in a prepared statement that he knows it's going to go to the media, he pushes a product. He began his testimony shortly after Senate Banking Committee Chairman Senator Tim Johnson and Ranking Member Senator Richard Shelby made their opening comments. Shelby closed his comments by saying, while Diamond sits before the committee to discuss private losses, the executives of Fannie and Freddie have yet to testify about millions of dollars of taxpayer money lost. Hallelujah. He then began a message, Diamond... He made some prepared marks. Uh, he said that he's proud of J.P. Morgan. He's proud of his employees. I don't think he should be held accountable for that. I don't think he should be at Congress for this. I think this is just the ridiculousness of Congress. And again, eh, don't get mad at me. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. You can call the show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. AM 1220. KDOW. Send lawyers, guns, and money. Dead, get me out of this.
It's easy when you're young and you still want it so badly. And I feel my heart Phone lines are now open. 800 1220 That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back again to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. J.P. Morgan CEO is in the hot seat today. It's not all that dramatic in my opinion. Dell's going to start paying some dividends. Healthcare spending growth continues to jump. Apps versus domain names. We live in a world of apps now. Thank you, Apple. Not so much the world of Deb, Deb, Deb. And yet we're about to expand available business names and website domains. Here's a car app for you. Gas Buddy, getting a better price on gas. It's totally free. It's available for iPhone and Android and Windows. It basically finds nearby gas stations with the lowest gas prices. Now, that's done by the community of members, but you get the idea. Another good app for your car is KBB. If you want to shop for a used car, it's kbb.com. It's Kelly Blue Book. It whizzes you through with a series of wipes, swipes, uh, year, model, features. Edmunds.com, both a good app as well as a good service. Uh, it helps you research car. It sees a map and shows you a map where the dealers, when you're doing face-to-face, that basically gives you an average selling number for that model. Cars having problems? Repair Pal. It records your uh, car's uh, repair history and gets a checklist of maintenance you need to schedule to help judge any shop's estimate. It looks up local prices of hundreds of different types of repairs. So I think that's useful. It's not the best story I've ever done for you, but I think it's useful. Oh, get a job. Don't get tattoos. <laughs> that's my advice if you're 18. Any tattoo that you get when you're 18, it's going to be regrettable. Maybe not today, but down the road, it's going to be regrettable. North Dakota votes no on ending property tax. Voters in North Dakota, where the economy is swelling with money from the oil boom, have voted against abolishing property taxes in the state. 76 voters, 76% of voters said no. North Dakota boasts the lowest state unemployment rate in the country. It's also become the nation's second biggest oil producer. The government coffers are flush with money. The proposal is known as Measure 2. It would have amended the state's constitution had it been approved. North Dakota would have been the only state without any property tax. North Dakotans have long been fans of local control. Property tax is assessed based on the estimated value of property. It's typically the source of a steady stream of revenue to fund government projects. At the same time, anti-tax advocates often say it's a burdensome hit to homeowners. So that's kind of interesting. We've had some voters come out and say yes in San Diego and San Jose to starting to wrest some control from public unions. 
And here you get a state coming out and saying, you know, we like the taxes. Now, some states have discontinued like income tax when they had other revenue sources that they could rely on. Instead, Alaska and Texas, for example, realized they generate enough tax revenue from oil. So they cut the income tax. So the $800 million the state would have foregone in annual tax revenue represents about 23% of North Dakota's state and local tax revenue. All tax revenue in states in the United States last year grew about 9%. It's an interesting little side story, huh? San Francisco, once again, doing what San Francisco does well, and that's act crazy. San Francisco is hoping to convince panhandlers to give up their signs and metal cups in exchange for a small stipend to foster problem puppies at the city's annual animal care center. A panhandler would earn 50 to $75 a week for helping prepare rowdy, hyper, or shy dogs for adoption. A company with the name Wolf, wonderful opportunities for occupants and Fidos. The program is going to begin August 1. They're going to screen applicants to keep out the severely mentally ill or those with a history of violence. Panhandlers are accepted in the program. They can't be living on the street, and they must undergo treatment for any addictions. They're going to be required to give up panhandling, or they have to give up their puppy. Okay, 50 to $75 a week. Do you know how much you might panhandling? 60 bucks an hour cash. You think any panhandlers are going to give up panhandling? I doubt it. Thank you. So, Ed Lee, who's the point person. No, he's our mayor. The point person for Ed Lee on the homelessness is Bevan Dufty. You know, trying to, try to get their needs for income met with $57.5 a week for taking care of dogs? I don't think so. But I don't know. I personally think you just give every citizen a cow prod. And when someone panhandles, you just shock them. But that's my, me and my solutions, and it's not necessarily the right thing. <laughs> oh, good golly. Let's talk about some of the other big stories and big ideas out there. I want you to save enough money for retirement, but also I want you to live well. So there's a lot of things that you're going to have to figure out in that process. Jamie Dimon is on Capitol Hill. Stocks are drifting today on a lot of mixed economic data. The Jamie Dimon story is big for me in large part because to get leadership in the stock market, we're going to have to have leadership from banks. Whether they're large banks or small banks, broken up banks, deleveraged banks, we just need the banks to lead. So I can't get away from that story because I want to see what banks look like. Earlier today, I talked a little bit about retirement age and how it must rise. Life expectancy continues to rise. A new report from the Organization for Economic Cooperation Development. Average man and woman will live, a woman will live 24 years after retirement. A man will live 20 years after retirement. In 2010, it was 20 years for women and 17 years for men. So in two years, we've added four more years to women's lives. And three more years to men's lives. 
So if we don't boost the retirement age, we have to extend the working life in a situation of slowly growing or declining workforces. It should provide an important boost to economic growth and aging economies. United States needs this. Social Security has already begun paying out more in benefits than it takes in. So we got to push the retirement age higher, and I'm all for it. I've got enough money to retire when I want to. Most people don't. In 2012, we'll have a $165 billion deficit in Social Security. Raising the full retirement age to 70 would help plug the deficit by reducing Social Security outlays by 13-plus percent. With the fact that people are living longer, they should be partly responsible for meeting the cost of longer life expectancy. The retirement age in the United States is 66. It's up from 65 a decade ago. It's scheduled to increase by two months a year starting in 2017 until it reaches 67 in 2022. 62 remains the age at which you can get a percentage of your full benefits. So this report saying 67 or higher is becoming the new 65. Extending the period at which contributing to the pension system would be less of a burden for everyone. How do you feel about that story? People are living longer. They should work longer. Now, when I go to Walmart, and I've never been in a Walmart in my life, when I go to Target, I don't necessarily want a 67-year-old person handling me. I like young and sexy. I like being reminded what I'm not anymore. So the idea of someone all old and yellow teeth and decaying on the inside, working, put them in the pasture, turn them into food. Don't give them jobs. But how do you feel about working longer? Hmm. Rajat Gupta. I think some of our white-collar criminals need to be murdered or, or put to death. I know you're saying that's a stretch for commentary. The people like Stanford and Gupta... The people who rip off others to the tune of millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, I think they need to be put to death. And I know that's not conventional wisdom, and I know that's not something you like. But I think I, I, they do a lot of damage to the world. Ponzi scheme people do a lot of damage to the world. That They kill faith in things like saving for retirement. And then you don't realize that the victims here are your neighbors who, who've lost faith. J.P. Morgan's at its highest level since May 16th. Hmm. That's when they revealed their big $2 billion plus dollar loss. And that's an example of a bad news bull. A bad news bull is you get that buying opportunity not every single day. Take advantage of it when you get it. And sometimes bad news is that your opportunity to buy into a stock. You can find me at Rob Black Show. i got a seminar coming up in Dublin, California in two Saturdays from now. Sign up today at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. One seminar for young people who are accumulating wealth. One seminar for older people who have wealth and are heading towards retirement. We'll take a break here on AM 1220, KDOW.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I know I sound like I'm 16 when I say this, but this is one of my favorite songs. Anytime I jog and run, I like hearing it. It relaxes me. Music makes you smarter. I highly suggest you listen to music. For those of you who listen to NPR, I think you got problems. I think you need to see a therapist. I, I, I truly 100% believe what I just said there. Let's talk about some of the business stories that I did not get to in detail today. U.S. probing cable companies for limits on net video. A cable company like Comcast sees that you're streaming Netflix. They don't like it because you're not using their cable television content. They say they're not discriminating. We need to look into it, so says the Department of Justice. Someone must die. Square, which I think is one of the coolest inventions of all time. It's a little dongle that you put into your iPhone. And you can do credit card purchases. And it's just a different service. They just hired a CFO today. They do $6 billion in annual payments now. There's a lot of hype. Square faces a lot of challenges. There have been rumors about how the work environment at Square isn't necessarily the best. There's been a lot of competitive hiring. It's a revolutionary service, which for the record, do you remember that, that movie with Mel Gibson and, oh, now I'm going to drop the name of it. Was it Revolution? Patriot. Patriot something. The Patriot. Did anyone else find it funny that Mel Gibson, who wasn't born in the United States, was in the film? Or is it just me? You know, that his son, Heath Ledger, also wasn't born in the United States. Chris Cooper, he was in the movie. And he played a British soldier. He was born in the United States. Anyone else find any of this ironic? It's not ironic. It's just a coincidence. Bacon. The big bacon renaissance of 2012. You will ask yourself, I was, you'll tell yourself, I was there. I was there when Burger King introduced a bacon Sunday. You will tell your children, you will spend many yarns about the wonderful summer of bacon that Burger King helped bring to our attention. Anyone else ever notice how awful Burger King food is? Or is it just me? Burger King and Wendy's completely are trying to play catch-up to McDonald's. I know you're saying, was that a pun? Play a catch-up? No, 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 no. It was just me being finding words. Um... What's the point of this story? I don't know if I have a point of the story. Okay, Chipotle Mexican Grill. McDonald's got downgraded today. McDonald's got downgraded today. McDonald's got downgraded today because of Europe. Their exposure to Europe. One analyst doesn't like the stock. Now, that's fine. Uh, I still like McDonald's. I think it's the, one of the best dividends in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. I think dividends are working right now, and I'm not going to fight that. I don't think the downgrade was all that sensational. Their comps weren't the best compared to expectations, but the stock's already pulled back. And anytime a stock like McDonald's pulls back, I'm in. I'm not going to say, 
do whatever you want. Jump in. It, there's no consequences. But it was a $102 stock. Now it's an $87 stock. It's got a 3.2% yield. McDonald's introduces coffee and people liked it. McDonald's is introducing the right product. Burger King and Wendy's plays ketchup. Now, if you don't like McDonald's, which trust me, I think McDonald's kills a lot more people every year than Philip Morris International does. Not only are they killing people, but they're also killing a lot of animals in the process. The day before I die, I'm going to give up meat. So on my tombstone, it could say he was a vegetarian. Can't give up meat till then. I love it too much. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Even with bacon on it. I love it even more. So anyway, where am I going with this? Okay, so if you don't like McDonald's, go with a Chipotle Mexican Grill. CMG. They've introduced Chinese food. I know you're saying that makes no sense. Yeah, but they have a Chinese concept. The stock's expensive. It's not cheap. They're busy. El Burritos. The thing I like about Chipotle Mexican Grill is because people know me. I'm kind of a big deal. I do a television show. I do a radio show. I do an internet show on Mevio. People know who I am. They give me extra rice at Chipotle. You know, it's typically a little nod that I give him, and he's like, he nods back. And that spoon dips one more time into the old rice bin. It's good to be me. It's good to be the king. All hail me. I'm the past 17 years since the dawn of the internet. Analysts have been hyperventilating about massive opportunity of mobile advertising. The projections have always gone up and to the right. They started small and they've gone up and to the right. Apple released the iPhone mobile ads. They breathed a huge sigh of relief. People were like, this is going to work. This is going to work. Jean-Louis Gasset, he once had a company called Next. No, no, he once had a company called B. And uh, he recently wrote an article talking about the massive projections for mobile ad market as a mirage. If you want a copy of this article, I'll send it out a link to you. I think it's worth a read because if you invest in Facebook or if you invest in Google, a lot of their future is tied up to what the expectations are. Jean-Louis Gasset, very, very smart man. Not a good looking man, but a smart man. I'm about out of time. The doctors are coming in, grabbing my, putting a jacket on me. I will talk to you soon, 22 hours, when I get released again. Release the hounds on AM 1220 KDOW. You can find me at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show. Seminar coming up in Dublin, California, and two Saturdays from now. Sign up at robblack.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.